Good morning, guys. You still riding high from uh, Sunday night, the Broncos game? Did anybody else wake up the entire family with the celebrations? I did. My wife was just snoring, and then I think I scared her. I'm jumping around the living room <laughs> like a 10-year-old. Hey, we're going to take a couple minutes and, and uh, take pretty much one verse and then get a bunch of different perspectives and thoughts on that one verse. In fact, we've got, you can see the chairs up here. Uh, I've invited a man from each decade, so 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, to each take about two to three minutes and talk about 2 Timothy 4.7. Uh, 2 Timothy is such a rich book. It's full of wisdom. It's Paul nearing the end of his life, writing to a up-and-comer, a young Timothy, just sharing wisdom. Um, it's the spiritual father speaking to the spiritual son. It's uh, just so rich. And in 2 Timothy 4.7, Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And those are three things that God, uh, quite a while ago, really laid on my heart to pray over the men of new life. And I've been praying that the men of new life would be running a good race, that they'd be fighting the good fight, that they'd be focused, and that they'd live with deep faith. And so this morning, again, these guys are, uh, are in different seasons. They're in different stages of life. But each of these guys, from what I've seen, they're running a good race. They're fighting a good fight. They're focused. They're living with deep faith. And so I asked them to just answer this question. What have you done in your life? to purposefully pursue this. Because I think for all of us at the end, we want to be able to say, wow, I've, I've fought a good fight, I've run a good race, and I've kept the faith. You guys want to be able to say that? I think every Christ follower wants to be, to be able to say that. So this morning, it's like we're holding up the target. This is the target. And then how do we take aim at that? What are some things that we can practically do as a man to move us in that direction, to take sight at that target, to fight a good fight, to live with deep faith, and to run a good race. So if you guys want to come up, Daniel and Mike Bergamy and Dave Johnson, Keith Mundy, Colin and Jim House. And we'll grab a mic here. You can, you'll see a couple things as these guys sit down. We've got Daniel... The first observation I, I made is you've got Daniel in his 20s, Mike in his 30s, Dave in his 40s. Oh, Keith is uh, bumping up to his 60s category. But one of the th things I noticed is look at the uh, Daniel and Jim House. There's a considerably amount, more amount of hair on that end of the, of the spectrum. And they get better looking as they go this way, don't they? <laughs> Can I get an amen down here? So we'll start down here with Daniel. And again, the question, okay, if the goal is at the end to be able to say, I've run a good race, I've fought a good fight, I've kept the faith, what, do you, what does this look like as a 28-year-old? And then as a man in his 30, oh, 29, I'm sorry, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. So each of these guys are going to take about two to three minutes and just speak about what this looks like in their, their season of life. So this is Daniel. Um, so running this race, I want to read a verse real quick, just real 
fast. First John 2, um, John is writing to men of different spiritual maturities, and he says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven um, for his name's sake. And then if you skip down to verse 13, I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I think for me that has been really the cornerstone of running this race well in my, in my 20s is knowing God as my Father, like really believing that, getting that deep down in my heart and knowing that he loves me. Our sins are forgiven because of the greatest act of love in history, the crucifixion, resurrection. God loves me. I'm his son. He's completely forgiven me. He's my father. And getting that really rooted down, filtering from, we all know that in our, in our heads. I think, you know, if you raise your, your children up in the church, they know that. But to get that to filter down through the Holy Spirit into your heart, where it's, an actual, it's what you believe in the core of who you are, totally changes the trajectory of your life. Gabe told us, you know, a couple weeks ago we were all going to be doing this. And so when he told us that, we obviously all believed it because we're all here. And that changed, when he told us that, it changed the trajectory over the next couple weeks of our lives because we were prayerful about it. We were seeking God in a certain way about that. We all got up at a certain time today and showed up here. And same thing, if I really believe God loves me and he's my father and all that goes with that, that's going to change the trajectory of my life. And especially in your 20s, really getting that. It's the first time you're really on your own. It's the first time, um, you, you know, you graduate college, you get into hopefully a career field. You might meet the woman you're going to spend the rest of your life with, start a family, like major, major decisions. And if the cornerstone of all of that for me has been God's my dad. He's my dad. He loves me so much. And because he loves me, I have access to all these different things. I know his nature towards me is going to be a specific way. When I come into tragedy or hardship, when I come into awesome moments, whatever it is, my, my outlook, the way I act, the way I walk into those things is going to be drastically different than if I didn't actually believe that and I won't obviously I only got like a couple seconds left but you know my testimony if you were to look at my past and put on paper where I should be I should be a hot mess I should be a hairy disaster but I'm not <laughs> because I know God is my God's my dad and he is so crazy about me and I see the evidence of that in my life as I as I spend time in intimacy with him and learn how much he loves me so I would just encourage you guys, if you're, if you're here, you're young, you're in your 20s, or you're mentoring or raising a young man in his 20s, get that deep in his heart that God is his dad, and he loves him so much. Um, Mike Bergamy. Um, the part of the verse that stuck out to me, again, you know, Gabe told us we'd be up here uh, just kind of sharing a little bit from our heart, and the part that stuck out to me is the, the my 30s decade has been just keeping the faith and that, that always looks different because our lives are always changing they're not static um, but for us the 30s were um, from like 2005 to about 2010 were just the part of our life where we just were looking at God going what is this like what's happening and and not to say that everything that happened during that decade was was really rough but um we lost a one-year-old child. We lost uh, uh, to a syndrome that was very rare. And then we lost uh, a newborn baby boy that was, you know, born alive. And he passed away from a totally different syn syndrome that was just unrelated to that and was not genetic, something that we passed on. So for me, that part of keeping the faith, that's kind of what my 30s uh, look like because I'm almost 40 now. So um, 
You know, a couple of things when we were going through that time that, that just spoke to me about keeping the faith. Uh, one is my pastor back home, he was, he was teaching on uh, healing and things like that. And, and at that point, that was a touchy subject for us because we weren't actually seeing it, weren't actually, you know, getting to walk in that healing the way that we had hoped for. And he said he was mentioning all the places in the Bible where, you know, people had been healed and, and great things had happened. And they did. It's all truth. We know that. But then he said at the end, he said, where are all those people at now? And, and he made the point that they all ended up dying eventually. You know, that they were healed at the moment. But eventually, I mean, you go to be with the Lord, and that's how, that's how life is. And so that kind of put it in perspective. And another one was uh, a Christian storyteller, uh, Gene Edwards, does a really good job of taking certain verses and, and writing a, a fictional story about it. But it's really true to the word. And in his book, talking about John the Baptist, just talking about what John probably thought his life would look like, you know, uh, in his, you know, in his youth, in his older age. And in a lot of ways, it probably didn't look the way that he had thought that it would look. Uh, so uh, I hope this is not a downer for you guys, but, but 30s are the best years of your life. I've heard that many times over, um, because you're raising your kids, you know, you're kind of hitting a stride in your workplace and things like that. But, um, but anyway, at the end of this book, he says, you know, the question is not like, why did this happen? You know, what's going on in my life? What's, um, you know, all those questions that we have for God late at night when you're laying in bed thinking, uh, he said, but the question is, are, you know, are you going to choose to follow a God that you don't fully understand? and that you know that you'll never fully understand. And so I just want to give you guys in your 30s encouragement. Um, I hope this is doing that. But uh, encouragement that, you know, if you haven't walked through hardship, it's like the weather in Texas. Wait five minutes, you will. So at some point in your life, you know, there's going to be some times when you're looking at the Lord thinking, this is not how I saw it working. It's kind of a, it's just a, um, a disappointment in your flesh. And but the Lord, just like in Luke, he says, blessed are those who are not offended in me. You know, he had done all these great healings and all these awesome things. And he closes out the verse with, blessed are those, blessed are those who are not offended in me. And I just want to encourage you with that. When you're facing those struggles, especially raising kids in your 30s, I've almost got a 13-year-old. She's about to be 13. There's a lot going on in your 30s, but blessed are those who are not offended in me. When life doesn't look like it's supposed to in your mind, it's okay. God is still who God is, and he's wor- he is our hope. He is worthy of following, regardless of what that decade looks like. So, That's really good. Um, my name is Dave Johnson, and I'm almost in my 30s as well, so Gabe had a hard time placing me. But... Uh, uh, it's interesting listening to the perspective of these two men and then realizing the way that I'm viewing the verse that Gabe sent over to me in my 40s now is completely different. And I'm sure as this microphone is passed from right to left, you'll, you'll get a, a different perspective based on age. And I love that. Because in my 40s, I view this verse of running this race with this ability to trust God. Because oftentimes, you're right, 20s, you have a different marker. 30s, you're in this kind of in the stride of raising kids, and they're single digits. And life is, you know, coming off a, 
a career win and you're just kind of motoring towards 40, not really paying a lot of attention. And then 40 happens. Somewhere in that decade, they say, life takes a left or right turn, oftentimes. And I bet you if I went around and talked to each of the men here in their 40s, they would probably say that God threw them a curveball or a knuckleball, you know, and, and they're trying to hit it out of the park, oftentimes. Maybe it's even in your early 50s, you're at that, that stage. So this trust mechanism comes. We have to trust God like a dad who's going to lead us, even throughout the hard times. And so I want to share a verse with you guys that out of the blue last night, God just downloaded on my spirit late in the evening. I'm sitting in my office, and it's interesting because you probably won't necessarily see the trust mechanism in this, but this is probably one of the best verses, I would say, as a man of God trusts somebody so well as Paul does here in a really tenuous area in time of his life. We're in Acts 27 at the very end. I only read a couple of verses just for the sake of time. Starting verse 23, it says, last night, now this is, let me set the context up, Paul's going to Rome here. Paul appealed to Caesar because the Jews were getting ready to kill him in Jerusalem. So they load him on this ship, and he makes this very long journey to Rome, and there's this time in between that Paul hits a, a skid patch. You know, let's call it his 40s. You know, God throws him a knuckleball. It says, last night, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God is with you. So keep up your courage, men. So he's talking to everybody. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. And that verse, that last verse stuck out to me. So God gave him this great vision. God gave him this, you know, hey, trust me. You're going to do this. You're going to speak to the most powerful man on the planet because I've given you that. You know, that's going to be your lot here. That's where you're going. And you're going to get there, but you got to run aground. And then the very next verse just also kind of shook me to my core. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic. So that means for almost two weeks, God says, you're going to do this, but the storm kept coming. So oftentimes in our 40s, we have this huge idea. God's given us a vision. Maybe we've stepped out of business to ministry or stepped out of ministry to business or whatever it may be. And we have this directional change. Certainly in my life, that's the way it's looking. And we have this fallacy. Sometimes we have experiences of our 20s and our 30s. So we, we're a little seasoned and we think it's going to be smooth sailing. And we realize we hit our first island. We hit our first sandy beach and we realized that you know, it's not so much that way. For 14 nights, they got battered. So the thought process was that Paul had to trust God through this really tenacious, nasty storm to see to the end, to getting to Caesar, to appeal to Caesar. And later on in the story, you guys can read it, Paul spends the next two years evangelizing the entire area of Rome, speaking openly about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But getting there was this storm. And so I want to just encourage you guys in your 40s that God may have given you something in your heart, deep in your heart. And chances are he is. And you guys are wrestling around maybe with the trust factor. You step out and you're sensing the rocky waters or the shoreline coming closer and closer. And there's a bit of a you know, fallacy in, in the theology out there invading our Western culture and our Western church 
that our trust equals smooth sailing. And that's just not the truth. Oftentimes, our trust in God keeps us on the ocean, keeps us on the Adriatic for 14 days getting pounded. But if we're faithful, like 2 Timothy says, to run the race, to finish the course, then we're preaching the gospel to Caesar in the entire area of Rome for two years. And that's the blessing. So that's what I found in my 40s. That's what I found as far as in my life is that this trust factor, this mechanism of trust is growing and developing even through the elations of life and also the storms. Keith? Thank you. That's good for me. I'll, I'll take that in my 50s. Passage of scripture that comes to mind for me comes from Malachi, and I'll talk about it in just a moment. But uh, I'm just coming to the empty nest years. I'm 57, but we have seven children. Our baby just headed off for college, and she was, you know, home for Thanksgiving and all of that. So Lynn and I are looking at the empty nest years now. About seven years ago, we saw some friends of ours go through a divorce. They had been leaders here in the church. And Lynn and I took a look at that and said, why is it that we get to that point when the kids are grown and all of a sudden it's the two of us and all of a sudden we don't care anymore and we give in and throw in the towel and we watch a marriage go away and we just dug our heels in further and said, we're not going to go that direction. We're going to invest in each other all the more now. And I realized this too, and that's the passage in Malachi. Chapter 2, Malachi said, you know, God spoke really sternly and he said, don't you dare deal treacherously with the wife of your youth that way. And he said something really strongly. He said, God expects godly offspring of us. That's what he's looking for in us. So our marriage never was about me. It never was about us, really. God is looking for us to raise godly children, to then invest in godly grandchildren, and to begin to watch a a godly dynasty grow, a godly heritage go out from us. And that's the part of what God has put in my heart for the later years. When we get to this point in our lives, in our 50s, we can start looking at our wife and going, you know, she's not taking care of herself the way she ought to. You know, and my God, I'm looking pretty good. Yeah. Oh, Gabe's laughing at me. That's not very nice, brother. <laughs> you know, we could start looking around. I played golf last week. Went out by myself because one of the brothers couldn't go with me. Got out there, and I'm by myself, so the people in front of me are going kind of slow, and then a player catches up to me from behind, a lady. And she played pretty good golf, and she was good looking. And that is exactly the kind of thing that Satan will throw at you, even if nothing more than just to mess with your mind. And you learn to guard your heart and push that stuff away and remember, as, as he said in Malachi, don't you dare deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. This is the time to invest in your marriage all the more. It's not the time to just put your feet up and, and watch TV all the time or something like that. Take seriously the call that God has given you and finish well. Amen. Good morning. I'm Colin Willis. When Gabe bed gave us this piece of scripture, to me what comes to mind is, uh, is faith. I remember as a, a battalion commander, I commanded a battalion that was part of the 5th Field Artillery Regiment, and we even had belt buckles that 
we wore that said faithful and true. The, the motto of the 5th Field Artillery Regiment in the Army is faithful and true. And it's interesting that the way you would earn one of those belt buckles is you would run a 50-mile, is actually a, a road march, 50-pound 50, 50 rucksack, and over 50 miles, and if you do that in a certain amount of time, you win the race. You run the, you win. You get a belt buckle, and on that it's the, the motto, faithful and true, which I found pretty interesting. That's of the Bible, by the way. Um, and so to me, what this is all about is standing in faith. The race, the fight, the course to me, and a good race is, is one where we stand in faith. But I'd like to go to something out of Hebrews and kind of read something that's very consistent with this. I don't know the author of Hebrews. Maybe you guys do, but listen to what this says. And remember that in Hebrews 11, the writer is talking a lot about faith, faith of the, of the fathers before primarily, right? So listen to what he says in 12. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Some really critical points. It goes on to something really good. In the end, it's all about referring back to the faith of those men of God, the, the, the men of old, the saints of old, as, as Pastor Grothy talk, Daniel Grothy talks about. But what I want to focus on is in that race is being encircled by those, the cloud of witnesses. And I think it's so important that as we run a race, I can tell you for me, running the race alone is hard. Running the race surrounded by a cloud of witnesses is, it makes it much, much easier. And that's what this says to me. If it wouldn't have been for people in my life along the way that all of a sudden I, I have run one marathon. You, don't, you probably don't believe this, but I did run a marathon one time. It was a Marine Corps marathon. And all along the way, the Marines are yelling and screaming for you. They're screaming. And I see this. I go through my life, and I remember a time in my life when Al Chong came into my life, when others came into my life, when Gabe come, came into my life, when these men, a lot of you came into my life. And I sense this cheering this, this, you can do it, come with me, let's all do this together, we'll do this, we'll win this. So I think that's standing in faith is what this is about. But the practical part of that that we take away from what's said here in Hebrews is we do this because we're surrounded with a cloud of witnesses. And I, whatever we do now, either you can become one of those members of the cloud, part of the cloud, or... You can certainly be one who's looking for others who are already run this race before you. Sir. Jim House. Um, several things mentioned, I may try to kind of repeat, but um, that's 70 years old plus. Um, there's three things that I try to focus on, I've tried to focus on. <clears throat> I have to admit that, yeah, I've done it perfectly every time, the whole time. So some of you know differently but uh, the first time I heard this uh, reference or uh, was in when my son was in the hospital 
after his accident, and it's the three F's. And I try, I've tried to focus my life in, on three F's. One, faith. Several of us have mentioned faith, and faith of when things come bad and things difficult, you have faith that God. But it comes becomes first of all, I think, that personal contact, that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and developing of that, continually developing that relationship and dependent upon a personal relationship with Jesus. I know when my son was in the hospital, someone told him. He has to find his Jesus, you know, not Gabe's Jesus, but my Jesus. So that development and developing that faith through trust and believe and calling on, on our Lord on a constant daily basis. That includes being involved in a church body, being involved with believers, and spending time with the Lord. The second F is family. I think that's so critical. And, and we are, I'm very blessed to have a family that's close to us, and we're around, but <clears throat> being close to your family and having connection with your family and supporting is a very important element in my life and in so many. We're very fortunate last week, my granddaughter made the statement, the thing I love about my papa, he supports me in whatever I do, even if he has to straighten me out later. So, but family relationship, and we've been through some tough times. Some of you know about some difficulties we've had, but support of family and, and the most important family in your life, you know, is, is your wife and your relationship. So continuous relationship with family is the second F. The, 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 the third F in our life is friends. And, and I think uh, uh, whatever his name is here, <laughs> Colin, <laughs> my best friend. <laughs> well, that's when you get 78 years old, you know. But... Uh, uh, it's, it's friends and friendship and, and having friends that you can call upon, that you can call. You know, I kid a friend of mine a lot about you need to have somebody to hold you accountable. And then when you start, kind of somebody made the reference down here, when you start looking around at somebody other than you ought to be looking around, it's, some, it's good you can call up and somebody say, pray with me about this because I'm being challenged here. So the three F's in our, my life that I try to work on is faith. Faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, developing that faith, trusting that faith. Several people have important, or mentioned the importance of faith. Secondly, is our, is our family. There's nothing better, closer, than, than counting on a family and depending on your family. And the third is having friends that you can count on and also hold you accountable. When you're starting to get off the, the beaten path, it's good to be able to know you can call somebody and say, Hey, I need help in this manner. So that's the way I've tried to follow this race and run this race and follow those three F's. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, guys. It's a lot of wisdom there. You know, I think even looking at just Second Timothy, and if the worship guys want to come, come up, we're going to have a couple of songs here in worship. Um, but just that idea of Paul writing to Timothy. Paul knew Timothy well. He knew his gifts. Early on in 2 Timothy, he said, hey, fan into flame the gifts that are in you. He knew the gifts that were in Paul. His heart was so uh, for or he, Timothy. Paul's heart was for Timothy. He was intentional 
He was an invested. And what I want to do here with the men of our church is I want to stir up a desire in the younger men to be intentional to pursue mentors. And with the older men, I want to stir up this desire to be intentional with younger men because it is so, so important in the body of Christ that we're connected. I want to tell you a really quick story. So yesterday, uh, I had breakfast with Jim, and we were sitting at Panera Bread, and he, towards the end of it, he said, how, how are you doing? And uh, I said, things are, are going really well, and I said, Our, my family's in a good place, and I was just kind of going, going down, and he said, I feel like I have a word for you, and he looked me square in the eyes, and he said, be, be sensitive of your wife's concerns. Now, he didn't know the backstory, but the night before, my wife and I are doing the budget for 2016. Isn't that fun? <laughs> and we had some differences on the budget. And I was like, Ashley, I just, I don't see it that way. And she's like, well, I don't see it your way. <laughs> and we came to this, we came to this place where I didn't see it her way. She didn't see it my way. And Jim said, Jim, not knowing this, again, said, be sensitive of your wife's concerns. And so I went home and I said, Ashley, I think you're right. <laughs> because when I, after that time, he was right. She was right. And it was an older man listening to the Lord, looking into the eyes of a younger man and saying, I think this is what God is saying. And then it's the younger man taking it and going home and saying, I was wrong. And you, and you were right. And I think that's, that's one of the ways God works, but it requires us to be intentional. So here's, here's the challenge for the younger men in here. Next year, in 2016, pay attention to older men that God might highlight for you. Pay attention. I could tell you a story four years ago in this very room. I didn't know Colin Willis at all. And he was walking up here at a prayer meeting to take the mic. This is before he was on staff. And something in my spirit was drawn towards Colin. I said, who is that guy? I want, I want to meet him. And so somehow we, uh, I, I took notice of that. My heart was just drawn towards him. And we have developed just such a rich friendship. And I respect and admire that guy. And he has spoken into my life in some powerful ways. But it was God just stirring in me and highlighting Colin and then me responding and being intentional. And he'll do that with the older men, he'll highlight younger men, and he'll do that with younger men. He'll highlight older men. But in 2016, as we go into this new year, let's be aware of who is God bringing into your life. And then let's be intentional to cultivate those relationships. So in closing here, these guys uh, talked about a lot of different things and shared a lot of different uh, wisdom. But one of the main themes was trust. Trust in the storm. Trust no matter what you're going through. And part of that trust is choosing to worship God no matter what. And so that's how we're going to close out our time. We're just going to have two songs. It's going to be short and sweet. But as men, let's stand and choose to trust. Let's choose, act of the will, to worship God. And we're going to close it out uh, in a time of prayer where uh, I know some of you have to go, but I hope you can stick around for this. This will be in just a few minutes where there are going to be some older men who come up here at the end and just want to pray a blessing over your life, over your family, over your business. And so then that's how we're going to close after a couple of songs of worship is just come up and let, let a man 
who might be a little bit older, just pray a blessing and speak a blessing over you. So you want to stand with me? Father, thank you so much for the body of Christ, for young men and for old men. Thank you, God, that you've put us together and we all have something to offer. And God, as men who are in different seasons, different decades, we stand here and we all look to you. We look to the same God. God, we worship you. We choose, no matter what's going on, we choose to exalt you. We choose to sing praise this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
God, you are a good father. Just like Daniel was talking about, you're a good, good father. Let's just take a few moments here and just be aware of his presence. Be aware of his presence. His attention is fully on you as his son. just impressed upon my heart that that he enjoys being with you. He enjoys spending time with you. As your heavenly father, as your father who knows everything about you, who sees everything, and he says, I enjoy being with you. I enjoy spending time with you. If you don't receive that, just open up your heart to him. Just receive that into your heart that your Father enjoys time with you. That He smiles at you and says, come closer, son. No matter how old you are, He calls you son. night I was in bed I think about the good father but something else hit me in that scripture it says if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children two things number one your children are not perfect number two he said you're evil but he still gives good gifts. I feel like that there's some people here this morning that you feel like I don't deserve the goodness of God. None of us do. It's unmerited favor. I've never thought of it so much from the fact if you being evil God still gives good things. God is a forgiving God. No matter what you've done or what your situation is or how you've fallen, He's still a good Father ready to give you good things. I like to look at grace like this. God's restoration at Christ's expense. God's righteousness at Christ's expense. God's rest at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. It's all about Him. It's not about you. I don't care how evil you've been. It's his righteousness that can come to you this morning at Christ's experience. Whatever your failings are, whatever your losses are, it's God's restoration at Christ's expense. 
If you've lost a family member, it's a restoration of comfort. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, the good Father can make you righteous, but He's already ready to give good gifts. So we're going to close with this. If, if the guys who are going to pray can come forward. Joe, you want to stay up here? Be one of the guys who, who prays. The last thing I would share on the topic of running a good race is, is the humility to receive from other people. Just like when Jim was speaking into my life. And I think as men, the tendency for us, if we're not careful, is to think that we don't need anybody else to speak into our lives that we can figure it out if we just keep our heads down and keep plugging ahead. But that's just not the design. It's absolutely not the design. The design is that we're a part of the body, and God will use other members in the body to speak into our hearts. And, and that he wants us to receive from other men. So these guys up here who, who are going to pray, they're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But they just want to pray a blessing over you. They want to bless you. They want to bless your family. They want to bless your work. So often when we do prayer time is, hey, if you're, if you're struggling or if you need help, come forward. Today I'm saying all men, come just receive a blessing. In humility, open your hearts, open your hands, and let another man just bless you and bless your family. Can we do that? So Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for, thank you for your goodness, just like we were singing. We declare your goodness. We celebrate you today. And God, as we go about the rest of our day, today may we continue to declare your goodness. Give us eyes to see your goodness today. Give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Help us today keep in step with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so come forward. Let somebody bless you. And then have a great day today.